0: If you have any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear more about or questions that you're hoping that we could maybe address on a future podcast, you can click the get in touch box right on our website at ktsmoneymatters.com and the hardworking woman's guide to money available either on our website, KT's Money Matters, or on Amazon, or of course you can find our link in the show notes.
1: Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate, or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters.
0: Hey there, and welcome back. This is KT at KT's Money Matters. Coming to you with your tips and quips and ideas about money, how to grow it, save it, spend it. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about investing it It's that time of year. We're trying to break into summer here in New England. We've just come through the month of May, which always reminds me of that old adage, sell in May and go away. You know, every year is a little different. One of the things I've learned is that sayings sometimes are not worth their weight in salt, but we're gonna take a look at sell in May and go away. And now that we're in June, by the time this broadcast airs, and we've had such a nice little pullback here in May, you really have to ask yourself, where do I lie on the fear-greed continuum? Have I been taking more risk trying to chase returns while things are good? Or am I starting to get nervous? Maybe I took action in December and I haven't figured out how to fix that if I sold out when the market tanked a little bit in the, in the end of the year. And so I think now is a good time to kind of take your temperature so this is for all of you, whether you're the investor or the trader, whether you're feeling greedy or you're feeling nervous. We'll be back after the break.
1: Your host, Katie Thomas, is the director of portfolio services at New Day Solutions, a firm offering expertise in retirement planning with more than 25 years of experience, dedicated to high net worth individuals, families, and business owners. We work with you to have a coordinated approach for your comprehensive investment goals, providing concierge service for all generations from a team who can see things from your side of the table. Go to NewDaySolutions.com for more information.
0: So they've been tracking this fear continuum idea, this idea of sell in May and go away for about 50 years. And the data supports the idea that the majority of the return made in stocks is made between November and May. And that doesn't mean that you can't make money during the summer. It just means that it's a little harder to make money during the summer for a number of reasons. And the first thing I'll say to you is because everybody's on vacation. People tend to be very checked out in the summer and markets tend to be more thinly traded as professionals take time off And interested day traders do a little less. People spend a little bit more time with their family, a little little less time with maybe the financial pages. And so when markets are more thinly traded, you tend to get more volatility. With that said, the market peaked this year so far on March 3rd. The S&P 500 at that time was up 18.5%. Over the last month, we have seen that return cut in half. Still a very solid year, up a little over Eight and a half percent. And we might all be very happy with this if it hadn't been for the big sell off that we had in the fourth quarter of last year that pulled investments down as much as 14 percent. Really, from a trader's perspective, market volatility can be an opportunity to make money. But from an investor's perspective, market volatility starts to flash warning signs and says, slow down. Be more cautious, be more measurable about the risk that you take, and employ strategies to help you limit downside exposure. Because we all understand the market's a series of ups and downs, except we all really love the ups and nobody really likes the downs, except for those that trade short. But we're not going to talk about them today. Let's talk about people who buy investments with the hopes that those investments will grow. I always think it's a good time to review your portfolio for risk, maybe risk that you knew you were taking, and then sometimes risk you weren't really sure you were taking. So as an example, if you had bought kind of the big, the fang stocks, the big heavy tech stocks, you know, the Facebook and the Amazon, um, the Alphabet and the Netflix, those stocks would have grown disproportionately in a positive way against the rest of the market. If you are somebody who thinks about themselves as growth but not crazy, and you own these companies in your portfolio and have left them, for the most part, unencumbered, continuing to grow, what you might find now is that you have significantly heavier exposure to those companies as a percentage of your overall investing. If that's true, it's a really good time to consider a haircut. Now, the reason why I say that is not because I dislike these companies at all, because I don't and I own quite a few of them myself, it's that when things become out of proportion in the portfolio, that means that if things turn negative, you'll have extremely more pain than everyone else. So if you make that excess return by buying the right investment, when things are good, you wanna make sure that you don't own it all the way to the, the other side. So I always think about the people that bought all the tech stocks in, in 1999. Some of those companies never came back. And a lot of people own them to the very end. Many of those companies recovered, but it took a decade. And in the meantime, you could have made money in something else while you were waiting. So it's not that I see a big you know, tech crash coming. I don't have a crystal ball. Frankly, it's really kind of blurry. It's not clear like people want it to be. But I do know a little bit about something about greed and fear. I've been doing this a long time. And what I'll say to you is that everybody's greedy when things are good. And then when things are bad, everybody becomes fearful. And it's in that change that markets become more risky suddenly overnight. Like last fall was an example. One minute we're talking about how great the economy is, and the next thing we're talking about how great it's not going to be in the future compared to today, and suddenly stocks fall right through the floor. Now, there were a few other things going on, but frankly, that was the catalyst that began the selling. This idea that companies came out and said, hey, listen, we made a lot of money, We're still gonna make a lot of money. We're just not gonna make as much money as we made last year. And then suddenly the fears started to build. 2018 at the fourth quarter, we were talking about, would we have significant tariffs against China? And what would that mean? Would the government shut down? And then of course, you you all remember the government did. Would the economy go into a recession? Would it be 2019? Would it be 2020? I mean, after all, This stock market's been in a hot run for a decade. This can't continue, can it? It's going to be the longest-running recovery in the history if it gets through June of 2019. Should I be taking money off the table now? So what I'd like to do is talk about this from both perspectives. First, if you're an investor, you want to think about making sure that your portfolio still hits your target allocation what do I mean by this? Lots of times we find investors are not 100% invested in stocks for a number of reasons, including sanity, their ability to sleep at night, and their time frame. But whatever your target allocation is, whether it's 60% stocks and 40% fixed income, or 90% stocks and 10% fixed income, or 50-50, you kind of get it. You want to make sure to check in on your allocation and make sure that you're still within 2% of that target. So, what I mean by that, let's say you're 50 50 and you take a look at your portfolio and it's currently 55% stocks. Stocks have become 5% greater than you thought it was since you looked at it last. Under those scenarios, you would rebalance the excess in equities back into fixed income. See, investors want a smoother ride. They want to stay within their target allocation, especially their overall kind of risk, and make sure that when they have these hot rides in the market, that they take that risk back off the table so that they don't become more riskier over time. They want to make sure they haven't gotten too aggressive. They might want to review their dividend income to make sure that they have fixed income coming in, even from the equity side of the portfolio if we really think that stocks have been rolling as far as they can go, there are all kinds of ways to own stock. You could own individual securities. You could own an index like the Dow or the S&P 500. You could own a sector like utilities, or for that matter, you could own cloud computing or cybersecurity. There are lots of ways to split the money up these days. But if I'm an investor and I'm looking to generate income from my portfolio, one of the things that I wanna make sure that I don't ignore is the dividend income that I might receive from companies or indexes that I just agree to hold because markets aren't always going to go up. So you need to know, will I make a little money even if markets go sideways? Now we'll talk about the rest of it in a minute, but let's go back to the traders for a second. Traders, I think, need to approach their money differently. They need to be able to trim their winners only if they've exceeded the target that they had set. So what, what I mean by target is, a trader will have a profitability target for a stock. So let's say for example, you're buying something at $100 a share, and you've decided that your target is once the stock gets to $108 a share, that's when you'll sell. So you wanna review your profit targets and see whether or not you're in things that have exceeded its profit target. On the flip side, if you have companies or indexes in your portfolio that have greatly underperformed what you think that asset category should be doing, so like say compared to its peers as an example, you want to look and say, should I be getting out of this? Sometimes companies are just doing bad because the market's doing bad. That's called market risk and everybody has that. But sometimes companies are doing bad because something is happening within leadership of the company that's causing the company to underperform, a la General Electric last year. You really want to ask yourself, do I believe in this company enough to stay despite the fact that even in good times it's not doing really well? Because the question is, will they still, do better in bad times than companies that are doing well in good times? If you have a company stock that you've been owning for a while that hasn't been doing what you think it should be doing and hasn't been doing as well as its peer group, you really want to think about whether or not you want to stay. If you're truly a trader and there are a lot of you out there, You don't wanna love your losers to death. If something is not working, and it clearly hasn't been working and its peer group has been working, you are gonna wanna get over it and move on and go buy something that can perform. The idea that you're gonna wait for it to come back to the price that it used to be at, who knows when, till you get out. What you really need to ask yourself is, will that company come back enough? And how long will it take? And what else could I have done with the money while I wait? What's the opportunity cost of holding on to this dog for a while longer to see if it changes? Now, remember, if you own something that you bought that's not worth what you paid for it, you could create a tax loss, which could help you offset capital gains elsewhere in the portfolio, and that might be valuable to you. So you're going to want to look at that as well. If something's not working, though, I really think you should think about why it's not working Under what circumstances might it work? And if you can't find the the answer there that makes you comfortable, then it's probably time to fish your cut bait. And by that, I mean, move on and go find something else. I also think that as we're coming into the more volatile time of the year and we're starting to see the VIX start to climb a little bit and you're starting to see some of the high flyers pull back, you might want to think about raising some cash. It's impossible to buy on the dip if you don't have any cash. Investors who are 100% invested are not traders, they're investors. Because traders always have a certain amount of cash that they're looking for an opportunity to deploy. So if you're a trader, all of your positions are 100% invested, you wanna review it, see what you like, what you might own too much of, what hasn't been working like you want it to work, and look at where you can free up cash so that you can trade on these dips. One of the things I'll say to you is if you're a trader, you probably wanna have your dividends directed to cash. So if you own a stock that generates a dividend, rather than reinvesting it, have it direct to cash so that it continues to create cash to buy other investment ideas. But if you're an investor, you probably want to reinvest those dividends unless you're using them as part of your current income because you're not trading. So you don't want to kind of hoard cash. You want to stay firmly invested. Also traders by their very definition tend to just trade. Investors, however, tend to dollar cost average, which is this idea of buying investments over time, allowing you to reduce the cost of investments by taking advantage of dips in the marketplace for buying. That's a great strategy, especially to go back to if you have a big decision around investments to make during this period. So let's say you've left your employer and you're going to roll over your 401k plan. Then what you want to do is as you approach the investments on the other side, it's one opportunity for you to look at what is the timing that I want to approach this market? Should I dollar cost average in? Should I lump sum in? And understanding that lump summing in gives you more risk and dollar cost averaging gives you more protection, but might also cost you total return if the market turns around and ramps right from here. So you really want to think how safe do I need to be? How much conservatorship is important to me as an investor? Next, I'm gonna talk about what kind of option strategies might make sense for both investors and traders in this kind of a market. So although investors don't tend to use options trading that frequently, I think there's an opportunity for investors to think about put option contracts as a way to limit downside risk in a big sell-off. Here's fundamentally how it works. Let's say you own a company that is trading at $100 a share and you bought it, say at $70 a share, and you wanna make sure that I get the majority of the money I made in this, even if the whole thing falls apart. It's actually a very common scenario. And I say to you, at what price would you be okay getting out? You wanna stay in, because you're hoping it's gonna go up, but if it all fell apart, what, what's your guarantee price? And you say, my guarantee price is $90 a share. If I made $20 a share, I'm gonna feel really good about this investment if I have to leave. So then we go to the marketplace and we buy what's called a put. A put is the right to sell that stock at $90 a share. We don't pay a lot for it because $90 a share is a long way away from $100 a share. And it's not really valuable to own that contract right now. But let's say we have a major stock sell-off and that stock that was trading at 100 now becomes trading at 80. We have a 20% correction in stocks. What that means is my client could sell at $90 even though the price was at $80. Now, depending upon his risk profile, I might go back and buy it back at $80, right? Sell it at 90, buy it at 80. That's not a bad plan. I might sell it at 90 and pocket the money if I'm worried about what's happening in the world. I might sell the put itself, which becomes valuable too. I could keep the stock and then sell the put as, as a way to create money so that uh, I don't feel so bad about the fact that I can't sell it for $90. But all of those things would protect my investor through a significant dip in the market. It's not meant to protect all of the risk, it's meant to cap the risk. The closer you go to the current price of the stock, the more you will pay for the put. So some people say to me, KT, why don't I just buy one that says I could sell it at $100? And I'm like, cause it's gonna cost a lot of money. And so you need to decide how much of the risk am I willing to absorb myself, How much of the risk am I willing to pay in order to transfer it to somebody else? Now, on the flip side, let's say I'm that trader. I might do something like buy a call option to buy a company I'm interested in acquiring at a price cheaper than it's currently trading at, thinking like we might get a pullback. So a perfect example this week would be to take a look at all the fangs that just came down in price because now all of a sudden the government's going to try to figure out how to regulate them. Now, it's not that I have a feeling about how the government should regulate companies or not, but it's the news that the government might try that brought companies like Alphabet down 6% yesterday. Now, maybe it goes lower and maybe it doesn't. Maybe people sold off because they were afraid. Oh my God, what happens? And then when they realize it's probably years away, they said, well, that was kind of silly. And then the price of Alphabet comes back up. If I'm a trader, and I'm looking to make sure that if it goes back up, I can buy in at a price I'm okay with. If it were down 6% yesterday, I might buy an option that's in the money when the stock comes up 2%, meaning I'm buying the right to buy the company at 2% greater than it is today. I'm not going to pay a lot for that because I couldn't, it's not worth anything today. But if the stock does come back up, I could buy it at up 2% and sell it at up 4% and pocket the profit. So, Depending upon who you are, whether you're an investor who's looking for long-term capital growth and stability, understanding there's some level of market risk for whatever they take, but really what they want is, it's not set it and forget it, but they want set it and monitor it. They don't want to be watching this all the time. They don't want to be paying attention to this all the time. But at the same time, that doesn't mean it gets to die from neglect to so regular reviews, and then maybe some put options if you're really worried about the price of your securities and you wanna shore up your sense of protection, you could do this with some parts of your account to give yourself a little bit of protection. Now, if I'm a trader, again, I'm right on the other side of that. I see volatility as opportunity and I wanna position myself to take advantage of that. I wanna be able to raise some cash, recognizing things that have worked well, getting rid of things that aren't working well and hoard some cash so that I have some opportunities maybe buy a couple of options so that I have the right to buy companies if the market starts to move back up. Both of these strategies can work to either cap in on that excess upside if you're a trader or limit the downside if you're an investor. And the reason why they work so well is because most people don't do it. Most people just kind of buy their allocation or pass the work off to a financial professional and really only look at it maybe once or twice a year, if at all. If you're that person, then it won't matter because you won't sell in May and go away, nor will you buy in May because you're in and you're just going to ride it out. And that's okay unless you know how to do something just a little bit better. So the most important thing to remember is that corrections are a part of markets inequities. You can expect to receive a 10% sell-off in stocks almost every single year and a 20% sell-off in stocks about every three years. You can't go into investing without either being willing to live with the risk, which is it goes up and down and you don't look, or managing the risk, which means it goes up and down and you manage your exposure by deciding how much to own, when to rebalance, and whether or not to buy some protection. Wishing you all a happy summer till we speak again.
1: Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.